Welcome to Cash Money. My name is Patrick Vieira, and I'm joined today with the CIO of Cash, Brian Hankey, and also with Pascal Talarida, the founder of the Jarvis Network. Brian, Pascal, great to have you both on air. Let's get this started. Pascal, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what got you to start the Jarvis Network? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, of course. I'm active on the Forex market since, I, I think, since I'm 19. Uh, now I'm 34, to give a bit of context. Uh, so I've been always involved in the, in the, in the Forex as a trader. I've been working with brokers. And then when the, I started to uh, dig into crypto, it was only for speculation. It was in 2017. So like everyone, I was trying to buy cheap, uh, you know, coins. Uh, but then at some point, there was a ICO craze. So I started to discover about smart contracts. Uh, I also uh, uh, fell in love about some capabilities of some project. BitShares uh, was the one I think that uh, caught me the most. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, they were already speaking about... Uh, tokenization of assets, uh, of patent, uh, royalties, and many things like that. So I was like, well, but you can really do everything with blockchain. And then I, I, when I figured out that actually a smart contract uh, is uh, a software and a blockchain can be just a backend, uh, I was like, okay, so basically we could maybe recreate the brokers and the exchanges that I've been using uh, for Forex, uh, but entirely on-chain, which could... Uh, solve few of the of the issues that people uh, were having with the forex. So, for example, you know you, you cannot access it easily uh, wherever you are in the world. Um, also, you have very high fees and this kind of thing. So, yeah, this is pretty much how uh, we started uh, the Jarvis Network. Can you tell us a little bit about how your product works in detail and how it's different from traditional stable coins like Tether or USDC? Yeah, so uh, if we start from the feature perspective, so the let's say the highest uh, uh, layer, we do stable coins which are tackling uh, the the chicken and egg problem, namely the liquidity issue. When you launch a new stable coin, if you want users, if you want your stable coin to be usable, you of course need liquidity, which costs money. You need to convince market makers. If you don't have a token, you can't easily incentivize your community you know, to, to provide liquidity. So it's uh, very complicated, and it's even more complicated if you want to launch non-USD stablecoin. So uh, our stablecoins, uh, as I said, the, the main feature is easy. They, you can convert them uh, without any slippage or price impact, to be accurate, uh, for their collateral. And as of today, we are only using two types of collateral, uh, USDC on Polygon and BUSD on, uh, on the Binance uh, Smart Chain, right? the BNB uh, chain. What does it mean? It means that if you have 1,000 USDC or 1 million USDC, you can go to our smart contract and you can convert them uh, without price impact again for $1,000 worth of any of our stablecoin. It could be Euro stablecoin, it could be Canadian dollar, or $1 million. And of course, it works uh, you know, back and forth. So if you have $5 of uh, pound, uh, our stablecoin, the J pound, you can, you can uh, convert it for, for USDC. So this is a high overview. Of course, uh, I can explain a bit more how does it work uh, uh, under the hood. But this feature, uh, so this convertibility, allows uh, a few cool things. So the first thing is that it enables uh, an on-chain Forex market. So Forex, you know, it's, it's, it's a market where you exchange currencies because if you can exchange one of our stablecoin for USDC and if you can exchange USDC for one of our stablecoin, then you can combine two transactions. So if you want to 
exchange one of our euro stable coin for Canadian dollar, for example, actually there are two transactions. So first we convert uh, euro for USDC, then USDC for Canadian dollar, and that's it. And you have an on-chain Forex market. Uh, and the second um, uh, cool consequence of this is that because you can convert them for USDC or BUSD, Uh, somehow, our stablecoins, they inherit from the liquidity or the market depth of USDC. So if you have $1,000 worth of J-Euro, our Euro stablecoin, or $1,000 USDC, and you want to swap them uh, for uh, wrapped BTC, you will end up with exactly the same amount of wrapped BTC, because the route is easy to understand. If you have $1,000 of uh, Euro stablecoin, you convert them for $1,000 USDC, and then $1,000 USDC, you swap them on an AMM, Uh, for wrapped BTC. Therefore, we have the same liquidity, or let's say market depth to be more accurate, of, of uh, USDC. Uh, and you and we have this on-chain Forex market without any price impact. This is how we uh, uh, enable deep liquidity, even from day one. So this is how you know, the chicken and egg problem is solved. And also we, we, we keep our peg because you can always redeem Uh, our stable coins for their equivalent uh, in USDC or BUSD. And we are using, of course, an oracle uh, from Chainlink uh, in order to um, to do all those swaps. So every time you actually make a conversion, you actually uh, are doing it at the Chainlink uh, price feed. So this is how the, the protocol works uh, at a high level. Let's say that I get a thousand euros worth of J euro, right? And it, during the time... I hold it, it goes up in value against the dollar. Yeah. Where does that come from? Who is losing the other side of that trade? So the so this is how uh, we have to understand under the hood. So basically, when if you check the Blockchain Explorer, you will see that when you want to buy J-Euro, uh, so you are sending, let's say, $1,000. So you are sending $1,000 USDC to the, to the smart contract, which is basically a liquidity pool. And this liquidity pool is already holding USDC, which have been deposited by a liquidity provider. So which means that you have two parties, the buyer and the seller who happens to be the liquidity provider. So when you send your 1,000 USDC, what the liquidity pool will do, they will actually take USDC from their reserve. So for example, they will take 100 uh, or 200, it depends the parameter. So let's say 200 USDC. And your 1,000 USDC plus the 200 USDC of the pool are bounded together and the collateral that is used to mint uh, the J-Euro, the $1,000 of J-Euro, is actually those 1.2,000 USDC. So the J-Euro will be over collateralized at a 120%, 20% coming from the liquidity pool and 100% coming from you. And if the price of Euro dollar goes up, then whenever you, you, you do the, the transactions, the opposite transaction, So you're gonna burn, you, you will sell the J-Euro. So you, you send the J-Euro to the pool. The pool will burn them and will, will release the one, uh, the 1.2,000 USDC from the collateral. And then the, the pool will just split those 1.2,000 USDC according to the chaining price fit. So maybe you will receive more than what you have deposited initially. Uh, if the price went up by 10%, your 1,000 USDC will now become 1.1,000 USDC. Uh, and the liquidity pool will have a loss of 100 USDC because, you know, they have deposited 200 and they got back 100. So which means that the price is going up, the liquidity pool is losing money. The price is going down, the liquidity pool is making money. 
And of course, uh, liquidity pool, as I said, are supplied by liquidity providers. So liquidity providers, they have to do two things. When the price goes up at some point, uh, they could be liquidated. So they will need to add more collateral. So they basically deposit more USDC. If they don't do it, it's exactly like uh, for the DAI with Maker or any other synthetic asset. You have a liquidator that will come and liquidate uh, the liquidity provider, not you. you. As a buyer, you will never get liquidated. If, uh, but of course, they can add uh, USDC uh, to to remargin their position. And the second thing they 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 have to do, but of course, it's not mandatory. Uh, since you are uh, uh, you have what we call a short exposure, which means that you make money if the price of euro goes down against dollar. If the price of euro USD goes up, you should hedge your risk. So most likely, what if you are a savvy uh, liquid product, what you should do is it's to open an opposite position uh, using uh, either a traditional or less traditional broker uh, on euro dollar. So you have to open a long position. So therefore, you you are short on Jarmis, you are long on, on another venue, and therefore you are market uh, neutral. It's not that easy. Uh, it seems a bit easy to be market neutral, but but trust me, it's not. Uh, but this is basically the basic under the hood uh, process. So so to sum up, you have the user, the liquidity pool. They put funds together to over collateralize uh, the, the position, the, the J euro. And then depending on the price uh, movement, one of the party is losing or winning money. Is the potential to create J currencies limited by how much you have in, in the liquidity pools and your liquidity providers? Yeah, this is uh, the limit of the system. Uh, if there is no liquidity provider, you cannot buy. Therefore, there is another way to create uh, Jfiat, uh, which is basically uh, to borrow them from the protocol. So this works exactly, no difference, uh, like uh, MakerDAO or, or KeyDAO, I mean, you name it. So you come with your own collateral, you deposit, and you just borrow JEuro. Like that, you have no limitation, so you could hold JEuro. The only difference here is that uh, you don't buy or sell them at, 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 at the Oracle price uh, and you have to over collateralize them yourself. But most of the users are of course using the first approach where you buy and you sell because the whole point of, of the project is not for you or for people to hold uh, Euro stablecoin or, or Swiss franc stablecoin. I mean, of course, maybe some of the people, they would like to, to hold, uh, to have an exposure to some currencies, but you know, crypto usually uh, is the only time when you have stable coins. It's 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 when you sell. Uh, you know, you, you take profit or, or or you want to hedge your your risk. Uh, so what we the main point of our currencies is actually to allow people from any region in the world to access the crypto liquidity from a stable coin uh, with uh, you know denominated in their own uh, currency and to work with uh, uh, people, uh, companies, banks, and and so on to create local on and off ramp. Uh, because the, the main the main idea, I mean, this is the first really proposition, is to say, let's say that you have, you are, you are in Switzerland and, and you would like to buy Matic. Of course, you can go to a centralized exchange and so on and so on. But going on a centralized exchange, first you need to find one that accepts deposit in Swiss franc, and then you need to find a market for Matic Swiss franc. So the first problem is that it's not that common to have a Matic Swiss franc market. So most, most likely you will need to do two transactions. First to convert the Swiss franc for ETH or, or BTC 
and then to exchange them for uh, Matic or, or, or maybe Swiss franc for USDC. But regardless of what you do, it's not the best user experience. Our take here is to say, okay, if we work on a fiat on-ramp in Switzerland, and, and we have one, uh, which says, I'm taking your, your Swiss franc and I'm exchanging them for the equivalent, but in, in stablecoin, in Swiss franc stablecoin. Since our Swiss franc stablecoin have exactly the same liquidity as USDC, then uh, as soon as you have made this bridge, because it's literally this, huh, you, you literally upload your Swiss franc from your bank account into the blockchain, and then you access to the USDC liquidity. So this is why I was saying our value proposition is to provide access to liquidity from any uh, uh, currency. And then if you want to buy your Matic, you just go on a Paraswap because we are integrated on, into Paraswap. And what Paraswap will do, they will, they will burn the, the, the Swiss franc, uh, uh, they will redeem the, the USDC behind at the channeling price feed, so no price impact. And then of course they will uh, swap your USDC for Matic uh, at the best price. And by doing so, we, we do many time um, uh, transaction and, and comparison with uh, other exchanges. And, and trust me, on Polygon for this kind of thing, we are better than Kraken, Coinbase, uh, Binance, uh, Swissborg, and so on. Which means that we we have reached a level of liquidity in DeFi, allowing uh, us to rivalize with uh, the liquidity of centralized exchange. So, of course, we don't target the same kind of user. I mean, people who are using Swissborg, obviously, they, they will have hard time using uh, Jarvis and Parasop, you know, they need the MetaMask, they need the Matic to pay the gas and so on. So this is more for power user, but uh, our goal is actually to present what we have built as a piece of infrastructure, uh, like a backend that could be used by uh, brokers or, or, or like, you know, companies like Swissborg or maybe even sometimes exchanges or market makers to access uh, deeper liquidity. So this is... Um, basically the, the main value proposition of the stablecoin and our vision. If I create a stablecoin with my own collateral, I have to collateralize it 120%, right? It depends the uh, collateral. For example, if, if it's Bitcoin, uh, I think it's a bit more. It's like 125 at least. But, uh, you know, you have to start with maybe 150 or, or, or 200. It's up to you. So if I do it myself, what happens then if the market moves so far that I get liquidated, I still have these stable coins, right? But yeah. they're under collateralized. Yeah, unless of course someone liquidates you. So you still have the stable coins, you still hold the J Euro, but there is someone who will basically confiscate your collateral. So you will lose all the Bitcoin that you have deposited and you will just have your J Euro left. What backs my J Euro? So, someone, so you have a debt towards the protocol. So someone will pay your debt. So what, what will happen is that someone else will, for example, deposit their own Bitcoin and they will mint J Euro, the same quantity of J Euro that you have borrowed. And then they will just say, okay, uh, Brian's position start to be dangerously close to, you know, uh, to, 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 to be under collateralized. So uh, I'm able to liquidate him. So basically what they will do, they will, sorry, for example, if you had uh, borrowed 1,000 J Euros, they borrowed 1,000 J Euros or they, they buy from the smart contract, no, the, the, the liquidity pool, so J euros. And then they will just call the liquidation function. So what will happen? Their J euros will be burnt. So they will pay off your debt. And against the burn of this collateral, they will basically uh, take out the, the collateral. So your, uh, basically- My Bitcoin. Yeah. From the system perspective, what happens uh, before the liquidation, there was your 1,000 J euros 
and your Bitcoin. Then uh, the liquidator comes and will mint new JRO. So for example, as I said, they could bring their own Bitcoin. So this person will bring Bitcoin and they will mint JRO. So suddenly the system has uh, 2,000 so JRO. Basically, they trade 1,000 euros at the current market rate in exchange for my collateral. Yeah. So and, and because why would they want to do that? Because, uh, for example, they, they will receive all your collateral, uh, and and it's like if they buy Bitcoin, I mean, provided that you use Bitcoin as at a discount. So so if we give some numbers, like for example, you had borrowed one thousand J euros, and you have deposited at the beginning two thousand euro worth of Bitcoin. Then let's say that the price of Bitcoin goes down. And now your collateral is worth 1.2,000 euros. So basically you have lost, your collateral has lost 800 euros in value. And this is the point where someone could liquidate you. So what they will do, uh, they will go to a liquidity pool and say, okay, I need to buy uh, 1,000 J euros. So let's say that the price of uh, euro against USD is 1.1. Uh, so they will spend 1.1 thousand USDC. And with those 1.1 thousand USDC, they will buy 1,000 J euros from the liquidity pool. Then they will pay back your debt. So what they will do, they will say, okay, I pay back Brian's debt. So please burn the 1,000 J euros I have just bought. Uh, and in exchange, I want to get uh, the collateral back. So they will get 1.2 thousand euros worth of Bitcoin, but they have only spent 1.1,000 USD. So 1.1,000 USD, remember, it's 1,000 euros. So they have spent 1,000 euros to acquire 1.2,000 euros of Bitcoin. So they have made a profit of 200 euros of your, uh, of you, basically. And then what they are supposed to do, it's uh, to sell the 1.2,000 euros of Bitcoin into USDC because they started you know, everything with USDC. And this is how basically liquidation works and how people are uh, economically incentivized to liquidate you because they make money if uh, you fall under a certain collateral ratio. It, it works like Aave, uh, Compound, Market, it, it's no difference. What would happen in the case of like a black swan event where there's a huge move in so, one of the underlying assets? So. Let's say that, uh, so the worst scenario will be, so yeah, there is a very big and violent movement and no one uh, is liquidating anyone, which means that at some point there is a possible scenario where 1,000 J euros could be collateralized by only 900 euros of collateral, which means that there is a, a difference of 10% uh, in the collateral. So here what will happen, most, uh, so there will be two kinds of uh, behavior among people. So there will be the one panicking and there will be the one who said, okay, hold on, uh, the protocol will basically you know, be refurbished and, and the collateral will go up again. So let's say that you are panicking. So panic, people who will panic, they say, okay, now the J euro that I'm holding, they are not collateralized by enough collateral, which means that uh, they are not worth what uh, they're supposed to be worth. But the cool thing with our smart contract is that you can still exchange them at their real value. So even if there is just 90% of collateral uh, behind the J euro, the first one who will sell, they will be able to sell uh, at the real market price. So basically, if you have 1,000 J euros, you can still exchange them for 1,000 euros worth of USDC. The problem will be, it's like a bank run. So the first one who are doing this, they're okay, and they just sell their J euro at the normal price, and they just get back their USDC. The one who may have issues are the one who 
wants to sell, but they are, uh, you know, they are a bit late in the party because at some point there will be no more USDC in the smart contract. And for exactly 10% of the JEURO, because, you know, there is 10% uh, less. So for 10% of all the JEURO in circulation, people will never be, will not be able to sell them on our smart contract because there won't be USDC anymore. So, so, so what could happen? Those people, they should uh, trust that people in the future, like in a few days or in a few weeks, they will actually buy more J-Euro. So what those people will do, they will, they will deposit, uh, you know, collateral in the smart contract, mint new J-Euro. And by doing that, they, they basically bring uh, liquidity allowing other people to exit. So it's, it's no difference from a bank run. The first one can uh, exit without damages. The last one are blocked and they have to wait fresh new money in order to exit. So how we could uh, mitigate those risks? So first, uh, we, we, we try to avoid having uh, collateral which are way too dangerous. So for example, the only collateral that we are uh, accepting besides USDC and BUSD is uh, wrap BTC and if. So both Bitcoin and Ether, and Ether they have quite uh, decent liquidity. So of course we can have a very big minus 20 or minus 30 percent, uh, you know, of, of price going down. Uh, so most of the time, those movements, I mean, we have seen it in DeFi. It's not the first time we had such a big uh, drop uh, since uh, DeFi exists. And you have seen that MakerDAO is um, is okay. Uh, I'll say Aave is okay. Compound also. So as soon as basically uh, people they are doing their job as at liquidating other people then the system should be safe and secure. This is how we can basically mitigate it. And uh, in the worst, worst, worst case scenario, then we need to provide some kind of insurance. Uh, so for example, uh, some of the fees collected can go in a, some kind of vault uh, that can be used to re-furnish the liquidity pools if there is this kind of black uh, swan event that can happen. But this is why we mainly focus on, on stablecoin, uh, so USDC or BUSD collateral. Like that, the only black swan event that can happen is not a market risk, uh, but a regulatory uh, or, or a trust risk. For example, if tomorrow we find out that actually USDC was a big scam and a fraud and, and there is no USDC behind it, then yes, the J-Euro and our stablecoins, they lose all their value. And same thing for BUSD. But we decide to, to trust a Circle, we decide to trust a, a Binance with the BUSD. Uh, to, to, to be sure that yeah, behind those stablecoins there is enough USDC uh, to cover them. But if things change, you can always change what types of collateral are accepted or not accepted, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we can add a, a new collateral and ask people to migrate from, let's say, an old collateral to a 21. Why did you think that it would be a better way to set up the system such that the first people get paid off in full if there's a deficit in the collateral as opposed to saying if the collateral is worth 90 cents on the dollar, you can take 90 cents on the dollar or wait for the system to rebalance. Because we, we, we so the idea is to rely on, on people being economically reasonable. So if uh, we adjust the loss to everyone, so let's say the, the, the stable coins are only collateralized at 90%. So there are two ways. Either everyone has a loss of 10%, or just, uh, or the first one doesn't lose anything and the last one lose basically everything. I mean, they, they cannot sell. So, so my, my point is 
with the kind of collateral we are using, uh, most of the time it's USDC and BUSD, so, so Bitcoin and ETH are actually a tiny uh, amount of this. So the idea is to say, uh, J-Euro will be still used and there will still be people who come to buy or, or say it, so they will still use the smart contract. So at some point, the smart contracts and the liquidity will be rebuilt. Also, the, the treasury has some financial capacities. I mean, we are not huge, but as of today, we have around $700,000 worth of, uh, of assets besides uh, our own token, huh? so uh, as a treasury. And of course, we can also subscribe to insurance, you know, like uh, Unslash and so on. So, so we, we want to tell people, look, uh, we, we will uh, keep using the protocol. So the protocol liquidity will rebuild. And at some point, if you want to exit the J-Euro, you can. But if you don't need to exit J-Euro, you can still hold it and just wait for the, the, you know, the collateral to be uh, rebuilt. So this is what was the reasoning behind uh, make, uh, allowing this kind of bank run scenario, basically. The only reason that I ask is because it, the flip side of that seems like it motivates people to rush to a bank run because they know if they're last, they're, they're screwed, right? Yeah. But, but uh, as I say, we, the, the expectation is, uh, is that there, there, there will be people who panic because they are not, uh, you know, they, they, they just think short term. So they will just exit. And there are the other people who trust that is just a small, uh, how to say, a passage, you know, something that, yeah. that won't last. Uh, and, and, and they know that, okay, there will be, again, new USDC coin because the protocol will still be using. I mean, it will still be used. Like people will keep buy. Uh, stable coins, or they will still sell stable coins. So there will still be uh, activity which will rebuild, uh, how to say, the, um, the protocol. And in the same way, uh, money markets are working. So for example, uh, I think it was in 2020, there was uh, the hack of uh, BZX, which is uh, a protocol who is combining uh, money market and, uh, and, and margin trading. And there was a hack and everybody wanted to leave uh, the protocol because I think it was the second or third hack. I mean, I don't remember uh, the, the order, but what happened is that there was a bank run, so all the people who could actually uh, um, uh, uh, leave the protocol first, they did it without any problem. But all the other people who were a bit late, they were stuck for a few months, so me, I was one of them. And yeah, for, for three to four months, I couldn't exit my position. And the only things I had to do, is, it was to wait new people to come in the protocol to deposit uh, collateral to open a position or to borrow funds, so they can give me liquidity to exit. And... Um, but because I knew that the protocol will keep functioning and that it will happen someday, I was like, okay, uh, the only problem is that my, my money is locked, but I know that at some point, you know, it will be unlocked. And so I was just waiting and this happened like that. And it will happen the same in Aave tomorrow. If there is a black swan event in Aave or compound, they will have the same problem with the bank run. But this is how they decide to set up the thing. There, there won't be a social loss in Aave or compound. It will be first uh, to go out are, I mean the first first to be here are served and the, the other one will be blocked uh, in the bank run one sir what was the name of that protocol you were just talking about uh, BZX uh, BZX I, yeah I pronounced it the French way what was the full name I mean the token was BZX B, BZX let me check BZX protocol yeah it's, it's a B, BZX network it, it was the first bank run uh, in DeFi uh, and they are still up and running, and that's all. Okay, that's very interesting. Is there anywhere online where people can see current statistics about how many different J currencies are currently minted and how much collateral exists and what the breakdown is? Yeah, we have a, a June analytic uh, dashboard. Uh, 
So you just go on the website, jarvis.network, and under the tab uh, protocol, then you have a button um, uh, data, on-chain data. You just click on it, and you will be redirected to the June Analytics, where you can see actually every, uh, every data about the protocol, uh, from the usage to, to the health, uh, to the liquidity pool, uh, even the, the, the profit and loss of the liquidity pools, uh, the fees collected, everything. Great. And what about, what are the current off and on ramps that you have available? I know you have Mount Pellerin in Switzerland and what others are you working with? Yeah, so Mont Pellerin uh, was a very happy meeting, a hazard meeting. So, so when we launched the protocol, uh, we did a blog post and, and we wrote that what we are developing is the infrastructure that will allow wallets to create the same user experience as Revolut. Uh, so for the people who do not know Revolut, uh, it's a neobank where you can do Forex uh, swap, so you can exchange one currency for another one. You can also access to uh, stock and crypto liquidity, you have different financial services and so on. So, on. so basically, the ambition of Revolut is to be become a platform for financial services. They also have, of course, a card and so on and so on. So we, we said that, okay, what, what we provide is stable coins that can be swapped for each other. So this is a Forex of Revolut. Access to crypto liquidity. This is also what Revolut is doing. Uh, stock at some point. So when you combine all of this, the only things missing is uh, the banking uh, infrastructure, basically. Huh? So to, to go from fiat to crypto. Uh, so we wrote that. Then... Uh, I meet Arno uh, through uh, Michael, who is working uh, in a reality. So it's a, a platform to tokenize real estate. And uh, he switched, he's Swiss, uh, he knew uh, Mont Pelerin uh, uh, before me. And he told me, look, uh, you should talk. So I, I, I call Arno and uh, he starts introducing uh, Mont Pelerin and his vision. And he tells me, uh, we want to become the revolution of DeFi. And I was like, hold on, uh, we have the tech to allow people to, to build the revolution of DeFi. And you have the banking infrastructure and the compliance team and the know-how. Let's work together. So basically, Mont Pelerin, uh, it's, it's a, like an OTC desk, of course. So they bridge uh, fiat to crypto. So with them, you can buy Bitcoin. But the cool thing is that you can buy Bitcoin on any network. So you can buy Bitcoin on Bitcoin. You can buy Bitcoin on Ethereum, on Polygon, on Avalanche. I mean, you name it. So, so it's pretty convenient. And uh, with them, they basically, uh, you can buy our stable coins, but you can also sell them for fiat. So if you have euros, you can buy j euro. If you have Swiss franc, you can buy j Swiss franc. If you have Canadian dollar, you can buy you know, GCAN and so on and so on. And the cool thing is that they have fees, of course, hein, they need to, to eat. But uh, we have a marketing budget and we decided instead of spending this marketing budget in, uh, uh, you know, too much articles or this kind of thing, that we should um, have a, a big part of it to subsidize the fees that Montpellier is charging. So for the end user, they just see a one-to-one -one ratio. 1,000 euros become uh, 1,000 J euros on the network they want. So right now we support two networks, uh, BNB, uh, BSC, and, and, and Polygon. But soon very big. Neosis, Avalanche, uh, Arbitrum. And, 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 and then Montpellerin is just uh, receiving the euros or the Swiss franc or the pound and sending the equivalent in, in our stablecoin. And that's all. They just bridge uh, a bank with uh, crypto. So then uh, Montpellerin, of course, they, they mainly work in Europe. They use the SEPA and the SIX network in, in Europe. Uh, and internationally, they use the SWIFT network. And as you may know, SWIFT is very expensive, which means that 
if you use Montpellerin in Canada, it's not so great experience because uh, the, you will have to pay the Swift uh, fees. And if you send uh, 10,000 Canadian dollars, it's okay. Uh, but if you send just 100, it's not okay because, you know, the Swift fee could be like 20% of, of your amount. So for everywhere else in the world, uh, there is two things. So Montpellerin is actually working on, on developing pa local partnerships. So they will try to create partnership with someone in Canada, someone in Brazil and so on in order to avoid going through the SWIFT payment. So basically they will open an account uh, uh, in a bank there and they will receive the payment there and they won't need to transfer it internationally or, or they can do a clearing, which means that they can do just you know one transfer per day or per week. And, and like that, they, they lower the, the fees for per transfer. Or uh, we have to work with other uh, local uh, on and off firms. So for now, me, I'm very loyal to Montpellerin. I, I don't want to work with um, uh, other fiat on and off firms, but, but for some countries, I know that Montpellerin will never work uh, there. So we allow uh, us to work with uh, other people. So for example, for Southeast Asia and for Africa, uh, we are working now with a company in Burkina which is a small African country, French-speaking African country. And we work with them to create a fiat on and off ramp locally for 14 African countries to allow them to buy um, a synthetic uh, a franc, a CFA franc. Uh, so maybe you don't know what is it. It's uh, when, uh, when French, uh, you know, there was their colonialism uh, empire. So they, they, you know, they invade uh, many African countries. They they convert them uh, to the Christianism and also they impose them a currency, uh, which was a French currency. Uh, and, and even though the colonialism ended, uh, there is still, so those African countries, they still speak French. They are still Christian, uh, you know, Christian and they still use the colonial, the, you know, the, the legacy uh, currency. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's uh, good or bad. Of course, uh, for me, I, I would prefer if those countries use their own currency. Uh, they, they should have their own sovereignty. But as of today, it is what it is. And the, this currency is pegged to the euro, which means that for one euro, you can always get 600, uh, almost 656 uh, franc CFA. So what we have done, we have created a wrapper. So if you have one J euro, you can wrap it into 656 uh, franc uh, CFA franc. And, um, and you can access DeFi. So it's very cool because it allows a very big population, it's 14 countries in Africa, to access uh, a stablecoin uh, denominated in, in their currency, which have the same liquidity as uh, USDC or BUSD. And, and so what we want to do with this partner is basically to enable uh, African entrepreneur and, and community to build stuff uh, on the top of it. Of course, it, it sounds a bit like colonialism again. Huh? It's a French guy who come in Africa and say, hey guys, look, we have a cool tool. <laughs> but it is what it is. I mean, uh, I didn't choose to be French. I, I just have chosen to work on Jarvis. And we have the tech that can be used uh, by African people so they can build uh, cool stuff with it. And if they don't want to use our tech because, uh, you know, of this colonialism stuff, they can fork us. I mean, I'm okay with that. We, all our code are open source. And, uh, and that's all. I, uh, I would prefer if they use our protocol. But yeah, uh, this is also why I'm, I'm very into Africa. Uh, we also have launched uh, Naira, you know, Nigerian currency. Yeah. Um, this week we'll also launch uh, the, the African rant so yeah great that sounds like there's a lot of things happening yeah and, um, and gold at some point yeah I hope so yeah because for, for your audience to understand why it will be interesting for both of us to have uh, this uh, synthetic gold is because um, 
obviously our gold stablecoin will not be backed by gold and it will be backed by, by USDC but it will have the same properties as, as all our stablecoins which means that you can convert it for you know USDC, JEURO and so on and so on and because we have a fiat on and off ramp so the value proposition I see will be to create a pull on curve uh, with our uh, our gold and uh, to, to tell user you can now earn yield so either it comes from cash either it comes from, from JGold doesn't matter but they will earn yield holding gold. Okay, this is one thing. But then for the end user, it will be very cool because they can say, okay, I have euros. I would like to buy either real gold or just tokenized gold. So what they will do, uh, they will they will buy J euros uh, from Montpellerin. Then they will convert those J euros for J gold without price impact. Then they will swap uh, on curve uh, the J gold for for cash. And then either they hold it or they just redeem it for um, for uh, for pure gold with you. And Somehow we connect then, uh, you know, any stable coins or any fiat currencies to real gold or, or, or just at least tokenized gold. And by doing so, also, uh, it's, it's efficient for you because, of course, you need to have your own liquidity. Uh, maybe you will do a pull on Uniswap, I don't know, but, but here uh, it also allows you to access to the generous liquidity. So if someone has uh, purchased uh, uh, cash from you, they could also say, I mean, from, from an AMM, they could also say, okay, um, I'm holding it right now. I know that I'm holding a tokenized piece of gold, but if suddenly I want Bitcoin, no problem. I, I could, I could swap it for J gold and then I could uh, swap the J gold for, for, for Bitcoin uh, using, for example, Paraswap. So, so this is why I see a lot of value because there's, there is a lot of cool things that end users uh, will be able to do. Yeah. We're looking forward to it for sure. Is there anything else that you would like to tell us about yourself or about Jarvis? With myself, I don't know. If, uh, I, I think uh, I, I like uh, living the way I, I live, so I, I, I try to, to live as a bankless uh, since 2019. And uh, Jarvis, for me, it's uh, a tool that I'm using uh, on almost on a daily basis to remain bankless, notably thanks to, um, uh, to, uh, to uh, Montpellerin. Uh, because one thing I didn't say is that uh, Montpellerin also allows businesses to pay uh, invoices in J euros. So if you have J euros and you have to pay an invoice in euros, you can use Montpellerin, which means that you do not need a bank account for uh, paying uh, stuff if you are, uh, you know, if you, you just have to pass a KYB, hein, so KYC for companies. Of course, I'm a DeFi enthusiast. And last thing about Jarvis is, yeah, for now, we try to, to be a, a protocol very pure so we don't want to onboard the dangerous collateral which is good and bad it's good because for the long term you know it's safest but for the short term we, we can't attract uh, degen or you know all those crypto people so what, what we'd like to do is to launch another protocol so we're gonna fork ourselves uh, another kind of j euro which will be called the degen euro and this uh, it will be uh, only for fun so it will be ultra risky protocol most likely you may lose money at some point but at least it will be for the for the degen uh, who are okay to take uh, those kind of risks so you you will be able to have a euro with interest bearing collateral with low liquidity asset maybe nfts i mean you know this kind of thing it's not the, our main focus huh? it's just uh, side stuff to have fun on the side but uh, yeah sounds great so can you tell us how listeners can follow you on social media where they can find your website and white paper uh, the, the easiest is to go on jarvis.network and from there you have everything twitter uh, our documentation which uh, uh, acts as a like a white paper uh, our discord uh, uh, server and so on and so on I, I had a question about collateral because there is a so-called 
I mean, let's just call it margin call. What types of collateral would you take? And and you mentioned you did mention gold, and and that's because you know there is the belief that fiat currencies may get in trouble. So if that should happen, what what are your your plans? So I will mainly keep focusing on USD stable stablecoin as collateral because USD stablecoin they are liquid uh, most of the time regulated. So this is like a safe haven uh, with the trust, of course, uh, issue. Uh, for tokenized gold, there is no issue for uh, on, on, in theory to use it uh, to issue uh, over stablecoins. The only problem comes to liquidity uh, because if you use uh, uh, a token in our system as collateral, uh, it, it, it needs to be ultra liquid in order for our protocol to deliver value. The only uh, uh, way to use gold in our protocol will be through the borrowing uh, protocol where people can deposit themselves uh, a certain quantity of, uh, of tokens or, or gold to- tokenized gold and they could borrow against it. But then you will need this token to have a decent liquidity to avoid, uh, of course, market manipulation, because let's say we use a cash as, as collateral to uh, borrow a euro, and uh, there is not enough liquidity on Uniswap. So as you know, even if you use a, uh, how to say, um, what's the name, a, a, a TWAP, you know, a, a average uh, a price over X blocks, uh, someone could uh, neg- uh, modify the price, try to sell it, or, uh, and try to influence it uh, to go down or to go up, and uh, and this could create liquidation. On, on the borrowing uh, protocol. So the requirements are still uh, to have enough liquidity. And if there is not enough liquidity, you can counter the risk by uh, having a very, very low loan to value, which means that, you know, for, for 1,000 euros a dollar of, uh, of an asset, you can only borrow up to 10% uh, of its value. And like that, at least you are a bit more safe. You know, you have a very high collateral ratio. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, welcome. Brian, Pascal, I'd like to thank you both for coming on this podcast. Pascal, you put a lot on the table for us. I I think you really gave us a lot to think about and consider. And I look forward to seeing how the Jarvis Network continues to unfold in the future.